This is the Practical Teaching Tips Podcast. I am your host, Richard James Rogers, high school science and chemistry teacher and author of the award-winning book, The Quick Guide to Classroom Management. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode on the Practical Teaching Tips podcast. I'm Richard James Rogers, and um, today I'm going to be discussing an area of of quite large expertise um, for me personally. Um, As many of you may know, um, I'm a high school science and chemistry teacher here in Bangkok, Thailand. Um, I work at an international school. Um, So I teach students from many different countries um, through the medium of English and I follow the the British curriculum over here. So I teach um, IGCSEs, I teach Key Stage 3 and I teach the IB Diploma. Um, And I've been teaching high school science for about 16 years now, um, two years in the UK before I came over to Thailand to um, continue my my career. Um, I did one year in China as well. And one of the key skills that I have had to develop over the years is the ability to design and implement and observe and deal with practical activities which can oftentimes provide um, a safety issue for students um, and a safety hurdle, I guess, uh, that needs to be overcome. And the reason I'm making an episode about this today is I personally believe that practical activities can be embedded and used in any subject. And I I honestly believe that they are a really good way to engage some of the more distant learners and some of the the students who find it difficult to um, engage with or interact with the written material um, that you're going through or the um, the theoretical content. And it's it's usually, um, whenever you do a practical activity, uh, it's usually a great deal of fun for all of the students when those practicals are designed properly. And I'm going to talk today about the process of creating and implementing some kind of practical activity in your subject area. And by the way, if you want to contact me um, for requests for this um, podcast or you have questions, you can email me at info at richardjamesrogers.com. So once again, that's info at richardjamesrogers.com. And um, I will read out your uh, email on this podcast episode and, and try to answer your questions if you have any. So what is the first step in... Um, creating or embedding or utilizing a practical activity with your students? Well, the first step really is to either design a practical activity yourself or to find a resource somewhere on the internet that someone has created which has the planning done for you. Now, you might be thinking, okay, I'm a history teacher, I'm a geography teacher, uh, I'm an English teacher, how does this apply to me? 
Well, there's all kinds of hands-on activities you can do with students, no matter which subject you teach. Um, a big one that um, a lot of non-science and, and non-practical subject teachers like to use is model building. So if you're, for example, um, analyzing a script or a play or a story or a situation or a concept, you can ask your students to create a model of that concept using, for example, basic materials like um, toilet roll inner tubes or paper or cardboard or plastic. And, and the students can even source the materials themselves if, if it's basic material. Um, and of course, you can bring in concepts like recycling and reusing as well. So you're, you're even hitting a citizenship and PSHE goal when, when you do something like this. Um, and it's an activity I've done many times as a science teacher. Um, I might be teaching the students a concept like atomic structure or uh, the periodic table or um, redox reactions or something like that. And I will ask the students to make some kind of model of the situation and that could be a physical model uh, where they actually build something and present it to the class or it could even be something done with technology like a stop motion animation for example which is another activity I recommend um, for those who don't know what a stop motion animation is it's basically when the students take a series of photographs of um, some kind of um, system or process. Um, usually they've, they've um, again, built models out of paper or plasticine, modeling clay, that kind of thing. And they put the photos together frame by frame to make a little movie. Um, so there's, there's things like that that every teacher can do. And the first step really is to make sure You've got a clear idea of what the practical activity is that you want the students to do. You have to be very clear in your head about what the success criteria are, I guess. But more importantly, what the students actually have to do. What materials will they need? How long will it take? Are they going to do it in class or are they going to do it at home? Are they going to do it in groups or are they going to do it individually? And if they do do it in groups, are you going to choose the groups for the students or are you going to let the students choose their own groups? I must admit, <coughs> pardon me, if you hear me coughing today, I apologize. I had COVID last week and I've still got a bit of a chest infection. So forgive me if you hear me coughing sometimes. Um, so... Basically, um, I think with groups, when it comes to practical activities, you need to choose the groups very, very carefully. You need, you need to make sure, for example, you're not going to put um, a group of, uh, you know, silly, misbehaving, um, disruptive students together, for example. You want to try and dilute the disruptive students as much as possible, if you have any. Um, it's always better to put one disruptive student with three good students rather than have two or three disruptive students together in a group. So think carefully about groups. If you have a very good class of students, um, you can normally let the students choose their own groups. Just be careful though, um, you'll often find there's one or two students who are a bit lonely, a bit isolated, they might not have many friends. 
Um, and if you let students choose their own groups, of course, that's going to make them feel more isolated. So most of the time, I must admit, I tend to choose the groups um, that I want my students to work in. And you can choose them based on skill as well. If you've got students in your class who do a lot of practical subjects, uh, maybe you've got a few students who do design technology, electronics and science, well, maybe you could put one of those in each group if you can, so that you've got someone with hands-on practical skills um, in, um, in each group uh, where possible. Um, and basically, once you've got a good idea of what the practical activity is you want the students to do, and which groups they're going to be in if they're going to be in groups, and once the students have very clear instructions... And those instructions can be um, given through the school's VLE system or LMS system. Maybe you want to print out a sheet. I often print out a worksheet or an instruction sheet for my science students because it's just something they can have in their hand as they're doing the experiment. And it's, it's just quick and easy for them to reference. Um, once you've done that, you might want to consider demonstrating the practical for the students as well. Now this is particularly important if the practical has some safety issues and even to this day um, it angers and frustrates and annoys me when I see science teachers posting videos on LinkedIn for example of um, you know, pretty um, high-level experiments like the thermite reaction for example and they're not wearing goggles it just sets such a poor example and they haven't moved the students' bags and clothes out of the way of the ignition site, for example. And just real basic um, safety precautions like that, which really should be followed. And yet even some so-called professionals um, don't seem to be aware of the, of the relevant safety precautions. So remember that, safety first. Um, if there are safety issues, demonstrate the practical with the students first. As a science teacher, of course, um, I almost always wear goggles when I do a practical with students. Um, it's just really a default mechanism, really, to keep the students safe. Uh, sometimes the students will wear lab coats. And oftentimes I'll have to teach the students basic things like tying their hair back if they're using Bunsen burners, uh, lighting the flame um, with an outstretched arm at arm's length. Um, things about contamination, making sure that um, pipettes and measuring cylinders are not shared between chemicals, for example. Um, precautions about waste disposal, making sure that um, some chemicals are flushed with lots of water down the sink when they're gotten rid of. Um, things like um, which chemicals not to mix with each other um, and even some basic stuff like for example not touching your eyes your nose your mouth or any orifice when you've touched chemicals now of course as a science teacher there's a lot of safety things I have to think of but if you're designing a practical activity for your students there might well be safety precautions you have to tell the students about for example if they're using scissors if they're using um, a cutting board and, and knives um, 
if they're using glue, for example, you know, uh, glue is, is a chemical. And, um, you know, there are students, unfortunately, who will do silly things like touch the glue with their fingers and then touch their eyes and then they've got a, a problem. Um, so you've got to think about those things. Um, demonstrate the practical activity if you can. If it's a model building activity, that might not be so easy, but you can at least show the students some of the types of materials they can use and give them a bit of inspiration. Um, and once you've demonstrated the practical, you've gone through any safety that needs to be gone through, um, and you've got the students into groups and they've got clear instructions, then you can let them do the practical. Now, I advise strongly that when you allow students to work in groups on a practical activity, that you observe them very closely. You want to make sure the groups are working harmoniously. Uh, there isn't just one person doing all the work, for example. But you also want to make sure that behavior is good and that you're really vigilant about that, particularly if there's safety issues, as I've said. You know, if, if groups are using scissors, knives, glue, uh, Bunsen burners, um, if you're a design technology teacher and students are using saws and hammers and nails, and or if you're a welding instructor, as one of my top fans um, of this uh, podcast is, you know, there's lots of things you really have to be vigilant about and you have to watch for. I can honestly say I'm very proud of the fact that in my 16 years of being a science teacher, I've only ever had one accident uh, with a student that I um, unfortunately didn't foresee, and he was okay in the end. He, um, you know, he he it wasn't a serious thing, um, but only one in sixteen years, and it's because I'm very vigilant. And just to let you know as well, something to think about. I always believe the benefits of practical activities outweigh the risks. So if I've scared any of you. Um, by talking about safety so much please don't be scared because when you are vigilant and you do plan practical activities properly it's extremely rare for an accident to take place um, but if an accident does take place um, well you really need to make sure you've got your paperwork in order make sure that you know if anyone comes to you and asks you what happened um, you can explain that you've gone through instructions, you've got evidence to back that up. Um, if it's a serious accident, unfortunately, you're going to get the blame for it, usually. So you do need to be very careful about that. But as I've said, they're very, very, very rare. They, they hardly ever happen if you've planned properly and if you're vigilant in observing your students. Uh, very, very important you do that. Now, once the practical activity's finished... Um, and the groups have built their model or they've created their stop motion animation or they've done their experiment or uh, they've built their um, iron um, plant hook or whatever it is you've got the students to do. It's then a very good idea for the students to showcase their work in some way. Um, they can show their model to the class, show their stop motion animation. If it's an experiment, they can show and discuss their results. Uh, if it's a product they've made in design technology, they can show that to the class and have some kind of evaluation afterwards. And in the evaluation, the, stu the student should be thinking about what worked well, 
and what could be done better next time. And this is a great process because it really gets the students to think about um, how they can constantly improve. And this is a philosophy that we really want to embed in all of our students, this philosophy of constant improvement, this idea that I can always make something better. Um, and this is a good philosophy for life because we want our students to realize that um, they can always make something better and they can always improve and they can always make progress and they can always strive forward. So attempt to do that if you have time. Some kind of evaluation. It could even be as simple as putting all of the students' models or whatever they've produced um, on a table give every student some sticky notes and they all put some sticky notes on the models or the products and write some feedback. You know, it could be as simple as that. Um, it could be as simple as um, f uh, taking photographs, putting them on your school's VLE or LMS system and asking students to comment. Um, a Padlet could be good for that as well. Uh, the students could post their work on a Padlet and, and you could get other students to comment. Some kind of evaluation is, is a really good thing to do and it, and it also as well gives closure to the practical activity. It doesn't leave it as a mystery or an open-ended, um, unfinished thing. And that's another thing we've really got to teach our students is that they must finish things. They must finish things in life. Um, you know, you can't just start something worthwhile and then quit halfway or do a haphazard job. Um, so by actually finalizing the practical activity, getting the students to evaluate that, you've brought that activity to a close and it's concluded and it's finished. And if students have produced work that is really substandard, if you feel you have the time, you can get the students to do it again or to upgrade their work and do the evaluation the week after. Um, where possible, I try to do that. Um, and I don't just do that with practical work. I do it with homework and classwork as well. If a student gives me a piece of homework that is just terrible, and it, it, you know, it's clearly taken a few minutes and, it, and it's rushed, I will often say to the student, um, this work just isn't acceptable. Um, I'm going to give you another week to work on it and I want it to be perfect. Um, and I think, I think you're justified in doing that because we have to teach our students that mediocrity is not acceptable and we want their best efforts. And this is another thing that I probably should do another episode on about this idea of mediocrity um, because... I think sometimes schools don't prepare students enough for the real world because in the real world, mediocrity is not acceptable. If you're in the office and you're asked to do a job and, and you do a mediocre job, it's not acceptable. If I'm a teacher at school and um, I have to take the register for my students and I only take half the students on the register and I, I forget the other half, it's not acceptable. I have to do a proper job. Um, and that applies to many fields of business and, um, and the corporate world. So we've got to teach our students that they've got to finish things. Um, they've got to give their best effort. 
and where possible they should evaluate their work as well and they should um, formulate targets for improvement next time. And then, of course, as a teacher, you've got to be vigilant to give the students another opportunity in the future as well. Now, if you're an English teacher, a history teacher, a non-practical subject teacher, um, you'll have to build this into your curriculum. But I do think it's a good idea to give the students the opportunity to do some kind of practical, hands-on work three, four, five times during an academic year and give the students the chance to look at their targets that they formulated in the evaluation. You know, what could I do better next time? Get those students to use that to um, formulate their own plan of action for their next practical activity. And of course, that does take organization on the part of the teacher and it does take planning. But it's a very good process and it's very good for building the student's character, building their self-discipline. Um, and also it's enjoyable for the students, believe it or not. It's enjoyable because the students can see their progress and they can see that what they're doing is worthwhile as well. And I think students appreciate that. They appreciate it when they can see that their work has meaning and purpose and um, counts for something, you know. So that's it really everybody. Um, I hope today's um, topic was useful. No matter what subject you teach, there are ways in which you can get the students to do hands-on practical activities. Um, you might also want to think about taking your students outside sometimes on the school field, on the football field, on the basketball court, wherever it is, uh, and get the students to um, model some kind of process or create some kind of um, drama or create a game or uh, do something that involves movement and action. Um, I will link to some blog posts in this episode description um, all about um, spatial learning and about um, outdoor learning and I will also include some um, blog posts with some hands-on activities you can do with students um, to, to really um, embed creativity in the classroom. Well, that's it from me, everybody. Thank you so much. I hope this episode was useful and enjoyable. Um, please do feel free to check out my best-selling award-winning book for teachers, which is called The Quick Guide to Classroom Management. 45 secrets that all high school teachers need to know and that's available at amazon and at all good retailers and you can find the link in the episode description and do feel free to follow me on social media my instagram is richard underscore james underscore rogers so that's again that's richard underscore james underscore rogers my twitter is at richard j a rogers so one more time at Richard J. A. Rogers. That's Rogers with a G, by the way, not a DG. Um, and on Facebook, you'll find my page, Richard Rogers Author. So thank you very much, everybody. Take care. Um, enjoy the summer holidays. Until next time, bye-bye for now. <laughs>